This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Oh, my friends, Jerry Jones just never lets you down. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Whether he is talking about what happened the other with Dak Prescott this season and how he took the Cowboys only as far as Dak could take them, or the head coach and how he feels about Mike McCarthy and how he feels about what the future holds and could he work with Bill Belichick, Joey, he just, he never lets us down. He's always going to give us something to talk about. God bless him, even if it is complete and utter nonsense. Mm. It was a heck of a press conference. It really, he really does. So let's start the hour as we will each and every hour today. Diving into Jerry's. Every week, someone in the NFL says something that leaves us scratching our heads. And it's usually Jerry Jones. I have to believe one and one is three. I can't operate where one and one is two. This is Jerry's world, and we're We're just just living in it. So, here is Jerry. Asked yesterday at the Senior Bowl, who Peter King once again pointed out, not many owners... GMs even go on to the Senior Bowl and take it all in. It's not the Combine, but he was there taking it all in. And here's Jerry, the Cowboys owner and GM, chiming in on Bill Belichick. I thought we made a pretty good move four years ago when we hired Mike McCarthy. And he's had some great uh, in-season success. Now, he's come up short three times, three times and advanced us in the playoffs. Okay, but I like the fact that he's hanging around the rim, and I like what the team has done to uh, to hang around the rim. Uh, We're not getting the ball in, but we're hanging around the rim. Uh, Let's don't uh, discount hanging around the rim. I set that up wrong. This is that was him about Mike McCarthy, and then here is the quote about Belichick to follow that up. Thinks he could work with him. Quote: I know him personally, and I like him. There's no doubt in my mind. We could work together. None. None. Said that to Yahoo Sports. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's an it's an older guy who doesn't relate well to the younger audience. That's the first thing that comes to mind. This is old school motivation, right? Hey, now, you've done a nice job, but I don't know. I could yeah. work with Bill Belichick. Just so you know, Mike, I could work with Bill Belichick as if that's supposed to motivate McCarthy to take it to another level. The comments about Dak, you know, he likes him and all that, but we'll only go so far as he's going to take us. We'll only go so far. That's that's old school stuff, and that's fine. He's an old school guy, but that doesn't work. It's not like if you're trying to motivate those guys to do more, trust me, they're doing everything they can. Mike McCarthy's never going to figure out game management. Mike McCarthy is never going to be the guy who outcoaches that good head coach on the other sideline. When Mike McCarthy has a team that's more talented than the other team on the field, he can win. But when you need him to outfox the other guy, it's not going to happen. Matt LaFleur showed you that. Kyle Shanahan showed you that in back-to-back years. He's not that guy. If you're going to trot him out there, that's what you got to expect. Prescott is a guy who can put up big numbers and in favorable positions look well, but ultimately, as Orlovsky said, when the lights are very bright, you can't really count on him to have his best performances. That's who they are. Try to motivate them all you want. You know what you've got. It's your decision to move forward with them. This is what I don't get. 
I don't get this this continued old school mentality of fear as a motivating factor. Like we, Mike McCarthy, for for all that we knock him for his foibles and whatever, understands completely the pressure that he's under, understands completely what it means to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and the fact that they haven't won and he has come up short. Do we need to continue to try to motivate through fear? Like, what does that do at this point? I have never understood that. Some people, I I understand, react to different kinds of motivation. We saying that Mike McCarthy is lazy? (laughs) Like, Jerry, what exactly is it that you're trying to say when you talk about Bill Belichick? Yeah, I respect him. I think he's great. I don't think there's any need to talk about whether or not I can work with him. It's just, it's, it's dumb. It's dumb, and it continues to show that your words mean so very little, and yet I love them personally because you make my job so much easier. You really do. But then you go and you do the same thing with Dak. Are you going to tell me there wasn't a little, yes, it's part of it's a negotiation, but wasn't part of that a little bit of motivation too yesterday with the idea of, well, I said we were going to go as far as Dak could take us, and he took us as, uh, you know, as far as we went. The guys on Get Up were talking about this this morning in part. How much of this do you think is just, for lack of a better term, showmanship on behalf of Jerry Jones? I think like, it's all showmanship, be, be but I think the it's, there's also some dumb little part of him that thinks it's motivation too. Okay, so not all showmanship. I'd say 90%. So a large part of this is just, I'm the owner of the Cowboys. I'm going to say some big things. It's going to get in the headlines. Everyone's going to talk about me and my organization. And there's no such thing as bad PR. You think a big portion of it's that, and then a little part of it is like, yeah, you know, we're trying to motivate them a little bit here as well. Well, but you and I had a little bit of an argument about the idea that Jerry has just been primarily concerned for the last 30 years with the business of the Dallas Cowboys and making them the most valued franchise, and that winning maybe hasn't been at the forefront of what he's been trying to do. Like, that's that's where that showmanship stuff plays into this. Like, we're trying to pump it up and as much attention as we can get for this franchise. The, the value goes up every single day. It's not that he doesn't want to win, but I, I mean, just listen to a comment like this. Like, what the hell does this mean? I would anticipate we'll be all in at the end of this year. So when you say, is there any thought, uh, I think we'll strain or uh, we'll, we'll push the hell out of it. Okay. Is, that, is that doing something differently than you had in the past is, 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 in that respect? Well, it will be, uh, yeah, and it will be going all in on different people than you've done in the past. And uh, yes, I would say that you will see us this coming year not building for the future is the best way I don't say it. Okay. Man, that ought to answer a lot of questions. It really doesn't. It doesn't answer one of them because it means to me, oh, were you not all in this year, the year before, the year before that? Of course you were. Your words mean nothing. You talked about value and how the organization, you say things like this, you you, you maintain your spot as the most popular brand. You, you know what else increases value? Winning. Winning yeah. championships. Here's a little example. You may have heard of the Golden State Warriors. Joe Lacob, Peter Goober, and others bought that team. 2010, $450 million. That's what the Golden State Warriors cost in 2010. 13 years ago. Not that long ago. 13 years ago. You know what they're valued at right now? 
I'm going to say $5 billion. $8.2 billion. Jeez. <laughs> 8.2. From $450 million to a valuation, according to Sportico, this is recently, this is December 13th of last year, so last month, $8.28 billion. Now, maybe it's not that, but we know it's probably somewhere close. What do we think happened between 2010 and now in which the Warriors jumped from being worth half a billion to being worth just over $8 billion? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Do you know? Did anything happen differently in that decade versus previous decades? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. A bunch of damn championships really. and a new stadium that comes with that. Yeah. Right? A new stadium. The thing that everyone should pay attention to right now, because all we're going to do is focus on these abstract storylines heading into the Super Bowl. You know what Kansas City and San Francisco, the two teams playing for the ultimate prize, do really well? They're quiet. They're very quiet. When you monitor the Chiefs, do you ever hear about the owner saying anything? Do you ever hear about any strife between the general manager and Andy Reid? Do you ever hear about any of that? Do you ever hear about any issues in San Francisco? You never really hear from Jed York anymore. He learned his lesson under Harbaugh. You don't hear from him much. When it comes to Lynch and Shanahan, they tend to have a pretty good relationship. There was a story, yes, as to what was going on with that draft pick. Should it be Mac Jones? Should it be Trey Lance? Sure, there's going to be dust-ups. But ultimately, those two seem in lockstep. There are two organizations that start the year and then work their way through the year. And for the most part, they're quiet. There's not a whole lot of drama. Everyone's focused on the same thing. Everyone is pulling in the same direction. Everyone has the same goal in mind. And surprisingly, everyone doing their job the correct way leads to them playing for championships. So many teams just can't get out of their own way. Jerry has never learned that. He's never learned that you create too many distractions, you take your eye off the prize, right? The Carolina Panthers have an owner throwing drinks on people in the stands. That's not going to advance the cause. There are so many of these organizations, look at the Chicago Bears, hire a GM. He's going to inherit a coach. Fire the coach. New coach comes in. We'll keep him. We'll get rid of the GM. We'll let him draft a new quarterback, and then we're going to switch again. Like, none of these teams, they're not organized. They're too loud. They're too messy. They're too sloppy. They're the girl at the bar at 2 a.m. She's lost one of her heels. She's falling down. She's screaming, where's David? Where's David? And everyone's like, oh, my God, get her out of here. And it works. The same analogy works for dudes as well. Shirts off, blood coming down the side of his head. No one knows how he got hurt. He's yelling and screaming. And you want to get him in the Uber and you want to get him the hell out of there. That's not Kansas City. That's not San Francisco. Look at their blueprints. It seems to be working. <laughs> the Cowboys are the drunken moron at 2 a.m. Right? They're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun. trying to get them out of there. But at the end of the night <laughs> and at the end of the season, you just, they get them the hell out of there. They don't belong. They don't belong at the 2 a.m. Last call, they don't belong in the Super Bowl. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Don't forget, playoff preview with the pros. Airs all weekend long on ESPN Radio, even this week when we don't have a game because we need to get you ready for the Super Bowl. It's myself, it's Chris Canty, it's Harry Douglas. Those two being the pros, it's all weekend long on ESPN Radio. In moments, another NFL owner is sending a message to the head coach, and this is not an owner or a team that ever, ever does this. Trust me, who it is is going to stun you next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, little bit of breaking news. Carlin versus Joe, breaking news. Joseph, the Seattle Seahawks have a new head coach. It is Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. They are still finalizing the deal per Adam Schefter, but Seattle has got its guy. He is going to be the youngest head coach in the league at age 36. And, you know, what's amazing to me about this is it's like, Four years ago now, maybe three, three and a half years ago, that Mike McDonald was brought in to Michigan to take over Don Brown's uh, longtime successful defense and started to make a turn there a little bit at Michigan in the right direction. And then his brother turns around and, you know, McDonald ends up in the NFL for John Harbaugh. And now... He is a head coach just like that. They've had some uh, assistants bounce back and forth between the two programs. Yes, they um, have. And and obviously that's what really helps each individual, Jim and John, because one thing when you're going through the interview process for a head coaching job, one of the questions they always ask is what's your network, right? Yeah. Owners want to know what your network is. If you pick up the phone, who can you call for information? Who can you call to help get a deal done? Who can you talk to? You know, the Ryan brothers – being in the league at the same time. I remember there was a great handicap once because someone was going against the Saints like the week after they were playing the Jets. And Rex was coaching the Jets and Rob was the defensive coordinator of the Saints. So, like, imagine that information being able to go back and forth. What's your network? Jim and John, they have tremendous networks. They've been around a long time. They know everybody. Mike McDonald, the youngest head coach in the NFL now, taking over for what was the oldest head coach in the NFL, Pete Carroll, signals the youth movement. I find it interesting on behalf of the Seahawks to go in this direction, but not surprising. The defense has been a major issue the last two seasons. Two years ago, it was abysmal. It was it was it was substandard. It was not acceptable. 
they went out in the offseason. They made a lot of moves to try to address it. They brought back Bobby Wagner. Uh, Jamal Adams got healthy. They drafted Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. They made some moves on the defensive line. Jaron Reed uh, was one of the acquisitions. And it didn't get much better at all. It's been a big problem for them. So they choose a young, bright mind from the defensive side of the ball, and they put him in charge of the Seattle Seahawks. Fascinating hire. Seems to be a name who emerged late in the process, does it not? Because McDonald wasn't one of those top-named coordinators as we ended the regular season, but as we worked through the month of January, it seems as if he started getting calls, he started getting interviews, but maybe that's just us because we're on the outside. No, uh, listen, it, it you'd hear it here and there, but it was not prominent. It was, yeah, we're going to talk to him, but that was among the list of the 13 and 14 other guys that teams were talking to. Uh, it's an interesting selection, especially when you go from the oldest coach in the league to the youngest. I mean, that is pretty stark. And I, I do think a couple of those pieces defensively can be really good. I mean, we start Devin Witherspoon probably would have been defensive rookie of the year had he not gotten hurt. He was having a tremendous season. So they needed the help. They needed the help on the defensive side. There's no getting around that. And look, my biggest thing now is where are they going to go long-term? Is it Geno for another year? Are they going to draft somebody? They're picking it, I believe, 16, something like that. So where are they going to end up getting their quarterback? I would assume if you've got John Schneider still in place and you've got your coach now, that you might start thinking about who the long-term answer is going to be at that position. That's going to be a question. I think Gino could get you through another year as you work your way through that. Yeah. That's certainly going to be the idea. I mean, if you are a young 36-year-old 36 36-year-old head coach taking over for the first time, you're going to want to make a mark, right? You're probably looking at Gino and you're thinking, he's not my guy for the next 10 years. So that's going to be a position of concern. I'm To be honest, I know we're supposed to focus on Seattle. I'm more focused on Baltimore. Like, you just lost a hell of a coordinator who oversaw yeah. a great defense, number one in the NFL. If you look at what they did during the regular season, from a metric standpoint, it was one of the all-time best defenses. Now, you might disagree with the eye test, but there are metrics that point to that being an all-time caliber defense with how well they played. They also adjusted quickly against the Chiefs and ended up lim- allowing just 17 points, none of which came in the second half. The defense gave that team a chance to win, and now the architect and the man behind that is gone. He's going to Seattle. Monken stays in Baltimore. He's still overseeing the offense, but that was clearly a problem in the AFC Championship game. And he is not taking, uh, going to go and get Jim's old defensive coordinator because Jim already took him with him and Jesse Minter up and because uh, remember how good they were defensively. Oh, yeah. And, and how much better uh, they had gotten over the last few years. First McDonald, then him. So they're going to, they got some work to do with finding somebody because. You talk about maximizing a group. They certainly did that. And again, we point to the fact that if you limited the Chiefs to 17 points, there shouldn't be any discussion about you winning the game. Are are you – how big of an idiot are you going to feel? And I'm going to couch this by saying I already feel like a huge idiot, but let's see where you stand. Mm. That a few weeks ago when we started talking about the coaching cycle, we said, oh, my God, look at who's out there. Jim Harbaugh, Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel – Pete Carroll. Harbaugh got a job. There's only one chair left. It's in Washington. Looks like Belichick's not going to get it. Looks like Vrabel's not going to get it. I haven't heard Pete Carroll linked to anything, so he might not get it. So we hyped up this, this unbelievable crop of coaching talent that was available, and three of the top four are likely going to go without a gig. Yeah. 
I feel pretty silly. Yeah, I, I do too. Stupid. Again, don't need anybody else's help, but yeah, that that's not going to help me. Let's find those tapes. Let's go ahead and burn them. Let's burn. Let's get them yeah. out of the archives. It's Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, <laughs> Channel eighty. There is one other thing we got to get to here with the head coaches. How about Art Rooney the second? The Steelers head coach, or the Steelers owner. Rooney! Rooney! Uh. <laughs> uh, normally, you don't, you know, you were just talking about quiet organizations. Yeah. You don't hear a peep out of the Steelers. Rarely. About their business. Well, that changed yesterday. Here he is talking about Mike Tomlin and the future for the Steelers. Yeah, I, I think there's an urgency. I think everybody, you know, from myself to Mike to... Guys that have been on the team for a while, you know, TJ, Cam, you know, everybody, uh, you know, we've, we've had enough of this. You know, it's, it's time to, to get some wind. It's time to take these next steps. And, and uh, so, yeah, we're, we're, I think there's some urgency here for sure. Still feel good about Mike, he went on to say. Obviously, if we didn't, we would make a change. But if we didn't think Mike was able to lead us to a championship, he wouldn't be here. And that's why he's here. I'll tell you what. That is as much urgency as they ever put on somebody publicly. They, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I knew what Art Rooney II, even as a Steelers fan, sounded like. That's how little they talk. Yeah, if they had just played that and you didn't have any context clues, would you have been able to guess that? How no. Many, how many would it have taken? Probably three or four guesses at least. When he said Mike, that might have tipped me off. Mike, uh, Mike McDonald, Mike yeah. McDaniel. Who, who are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah. I mean. Mike Shula, Mike Greenberg. If it could go on fe- forever. It'd be more likely that it would be Greeny. Well, Mike- I'll tell you, I mean, let's be honest. Pittsburgh is an organization that prides itself as being one of the crown jewels of the NFL. They've done a lot to earn that respect, but they haven't won a playoff game since 2016. Let that rattle around the dome a bit. 2016 oh, <laughs> was the last time the Steelers won a playoff game. Not a Super Bowl, not a conference championship, a singular playoff game in 2016. Jacksonville has won playoff games since then. You can look around the NFL and find that more than half the teams, I believe 22, I did this research like a month ago when we talked about this. I'm not sure if it's accurate, but I know I'm damn close. At least 22 teams have won playoff games in the amount of time since the Steelers had their last victory. 22. You know what would bother me the most? What's that? Two of those teams are the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals have been to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Bengals, I know, are now going to be a problem for the next 10 to 12 years because they got their guy. And as far as the Browns are concerned, they went into Pittsburgh and throttled them in a playoff game. And they have some pretty good pieces in place. I don't know about the quarterback yet, but that would bother me, and the Ravens are always right there. That would all bother me in a big way. In fact, it does, because I'm a Steelers fan. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I cannot believe what is going on at Madison Square Garden. It's crazy town. We'll explain next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, including on the iHeartRadio app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Huge night on the hardwood. Up the floor, James hammers a right hand dunk. Let's get caught up with Carlin versus Joe's NB A to Z. It wasn't so good in Golden State for the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid. Embiid with it, he drops it, turnover, he falls on the ball. It goes to House, Embiid kicking his legs. Embiid twisting, he's writhing in pain, and Embiid is hurt. Not good. Got tied up with Jonathan Kaminga. That of 97.5, the Fanatic in Philadelphia. Joel Embiid going to have an MRI today. Nick Nurse says the injury is not related to the knee issue that he was having prior to the game that caused him to miss the previous two games before that. We don't have anything new on the injury as of yet, but obviously for Embiid and the Sixers, there are a lot of people holding their breath right now. What a mess. What a mess. Sixers having a fine season by their standards. No drama. Now all of a sudden you got this injury, and all everyone can focus on is whether or not he can win the MVP award. Who cares? It's a team sport, not an individual sport. On top of that, now everyone's looking and scrutinizing the Sixers for how they handled Embiid during the Nuggets game. And then there's the rumors that Embiid might be forcing himself out on the court last night because of the scrutiny of the Denver game. Like this sport, like just going out and playing and whether or not you're going to play. And then if you're going to play, are you going to play enough? And if you play too much and you get hurt, is this rule in jeopardy? It's 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 exhausting, yeah. man. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's absolutely exhausting. There are stories out there today that the Sixers people inside the organization absolutely believe that he forced himself out there after catching all that heat the previous couple of days. And you talk about dumb reasons to be back on the court. That is that is up there. That is absolutely up there. But you got to play 65 to qualify for everything. So now everyone's chasing that. But you got to play 65 because no one wanted to play previously. And the NBA is tired of fans shelling out big bucks to show up for Nuggets, 
Bucks and Embiid is or Giannis is sitting and Jokic is sitting and you don't get any of the stars. Like the this problem started with load management. The league's doing a great job trying to correct it, but now they're overcorrecting. It's leading to new issues, new unintended consequences. I don't know if they're ever going to get this thing right. It's a shocking problem to have considering every other professional sport on earth doesn't seem to suffer from this issue at all. The Hawks right back at it last night. Trey drives left. Trey spins back towards the middle. Now turns around, shoots a three, and makes another three. Trey Young, sixth three-pointer of the night. A sixth three-pointer of the night. And guess what? Hawks beat the Lakers, 138-122. Things not going so great for the Lakers these days. Here's LeBron. LeBron, you guys are cut staying on the road for the next couple of games. Big matchup against Boston, big matchup against the Knicks. Uh, what would your message be to your teammate? What can you do yourself you know, to get that get big back on the winning side of things? I don't have any message for my teammates. Just go out and do your job. I mean, <laughs> I'm not here. Appreciate it. Way to cut me off because I was about to. There you go. <laughs> After the game, he tweeted just an hourglass, Joe. And I'm assuming that means time is ticking down until the trade deadline next week. Well, it'll be interesting to say what they do. Currently, the Lakers rank 21st in the NBA in offensive efficiency. They rank 15th in defensive efficiency. There's not a whole lot they do well. I did see them look quite good early in the season when they were chasing down the in-season tournament, and they won that. And I wonder, did they expend too much energy going for that, and now all of a sudden they're out of whack? Because since then, they have been a disaster. It's almost like they won the title, and then they tried to take the summer off, but no one told them, hey, it's not summertime. You actually have quite a bit of basketball left this season. Good news, we've seen this from LeBron and the Lakers before. They go through these down spells, and then as it gets to championship time, late in the season when you need to make a push, they tend to make a push. They're going to be a fascinating follow at the deadline next week. You know who's making a push? How about the New York Knicks? Backing down Abaji, and now they swing it around to the left corner. DiVincenzo will try a three. He's got another one. Oh, Dante DiVincenzo has 33. Wow. Dante DiVincenzo. Nine three-pointers. 98-7 ESPN in New York. The the Knicks have won eight consecutive games. And they have done that for the first time since 1972. I am making that up, but that's what it feels like. Evan Wilner, our producer, had this stat this morning. Wilner, what did they do defensively between December and January? Because that blew my mind. So in December, they they're defensively, they gave up averaging 124.8 points per game. In January, it was 100.1. So it was 25 points less per game one month to the other. The only thing that changed in January pretty much was them getting OG on an OB in late December. He made his debut on January 1st for the Knicks. How is that possible? 24 points per game better in one month's time? Great trade. And Joe, not to make this about me, because that's what I usually do, but I'm going to. And what I'm going to say is I was highly skeptical of this trade at the time because it looked like, wait a minute, you've been trying to land those big names and this is what you end up with after trading away R.J. Barrett. And immediately as I tweeted that, within minutes, I got a text from a highly respected NBA official who says, or NBA individual who says, you are lost on this. This is a tremendous move. And boy, 
it has been absolutely fantastic for the Knicks. You weren't the only one who felt that. Like, a lot of people thought that was a lot to give up and that maybe it wasn't going to work in return. I'd be fascinated to know who the person is that blasted you like that because I would just say to them, kudos to them. Kudos well, to them mean, for not holding back, for understanding. The kind of person, we all have these kind of people. The kind of person is going to say, uh, that when he texts that to you, it makes you think, yeah, maybe I'm wrong on that. <laughs> maybe I got to rethink that whole I could whole take back right everything there. I just said. Nick's seventh in offensive rating, top five in defensive rating. They're red hot. Look, the NBA postseason is always better with the New York Knicks. I'm not a New York Knicks fan. I grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I like the Sixers. But I do recognize the fact that the playoffs are always better with Madison Square Garden and the New York Knicks. I love the story. I love following it. I love everything Jalen Brunson has brought to that team. I was watching the end of that game last night because I wanted to make sure we were going to secure the under, which we did. Tremendous work. But the fans are going nuts. It's late January in a blowout win, and the fans are going nuts on the court uh, at the end of that game. Gibson got into the game at the end. Everyone was cheering for him. He got in right at the end. Yep. Tibbs, Tibbs showing a little bit of emotion there playing to that? the fans. He's actually been smiling lately. That's a massive change of approach. And then tonight, Dan Lillard goes back to Portland with the Bucks. That is on ESPN tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Here is Dame on his return to Portland. I mean, I'm just excited, excited to play. Um, Obviously, it was a, a great time. I, I loved the organization. I loved uh, everybody that I went to work with every day. And um, I think what made it the hardest is it wasn't a it wasn't a broken relationship. So um, coming back is just, you know, being able to be here. I'm in a great situation. Um, you know, the reason it all came about in the first place was for a chance to win it all. We couldn't be at that place at the same time. Uh, so I, I come back with love and, you know, I'm excited to be back in the Motor Center. He's, is there any chance, because it didn't go down great this summer that he gets booed? He shouldn't. He shouldn't. No. No, 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 I no, 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 no. So. No, he's, he gets cheered. There will be the one knucklehead, but he is going to be cheered, and he is going to drop 40. We got some pizza money coming yeah. up. A, a little prop might be in there. He's going to get his tonight. You don't think the Bucks are just going to feed him the rock so he can go off in front of the great people of Portland? Mm, I like it. I like it. By the way, one little under-the-radar thing to watch tonight, Nuggets Thunder, Joe. Measuring stick game. Big game there. Big game. Point spread moving in favor of the Nuggets. Keep in mind, I think this is the sixth game in nine nights for OKC. They were off last night, but six games in nine nights. That is a really tough stretch. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle home and auto and save. Visit Progressive.com. The one NBA record that we thought was safe, is as attainable as ever. We'll explain. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, and on the TuneIn app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com network.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Carlin versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. The big boy, Zion Williamson tonight, over 22 and a half points. The Pelicans are in Houston taking on the Rockets. Good matchup with Alperin Shengun, which historically has been good over the last two seasons for Williamson, who in those matchups has scored 26, 24, and 28 points. He's averaging 22 on the button this season. So if that's the average, and this matchup historically has been favorable for him, we're willing to bet that he'll go over. On top of that, we got a total of 231 points, which is priced for scoring. So pizza money number one tonight after going one and one yesterday down 0.1 units. Zion Williamson over 22 and a half points. The way the officiates rest the game is for freedom of movement. It's the same way of why do we see so many passing yards in NFL. It's a competitiveness and a regular season problem. One of the things that we have here is that teams, they don't get up and play defense against the other teams. When they're down by 10, they just sort of punt and let the team score. And there's so many bad teams in the league. It is almost impossible to play defense in the NBA now because of the skill set of the players and, of course, the rule changes. It just is all out of whack right now. It is getting goofy, and those scoring numbers are getting way, way up there. It's not necessarily, Joe, that it's a bad thing that there's so much scoring in the NBA. It's kind of how we're getting there right now. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 8. Do you think it? Do you think the NBA right now has a scoring problem? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, to an extent. I watched the Celtics-Pacers game last night. I had the over, so I was very excited about what I saw, but they scored 85 points in the second quarter. 85 points in the second quarter. You could win an NBA Finals game with that every single night back in 1995. Now, I'm just throwing a number out there, a year out there. I don't know if that's actually true. But when we used to see the Knicks and the Heat play each other in the playoffs, like 70 points might be good enough to win. So, yeah, 85 points. It's I love the scoring, but when no one is getting in your way, it's not all that impressive. Like, Iverson dropping 40 a night during his MVP season was awesome because dudes were trying to stop him, and he's not even six feet tall, and he was finding ways to score. That was impressive to watch. When you're able to just blow by guys and get open looks, all right, good. You're a professional shooter, and you're knocking down open shots. I mean, are we impressed by that? Listen, I... I wouldn't say impressed would be the word. I would say that entertained is more of the word. Or more entertained with more scoring? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. I want to hear from George Sedano of ESPN 710 in LA, uh, the host of Sedano and Cap, because George does a ton of uh, 
NBA for the for the network sideline, the play by play on radio, all of it. He's around this league and he knows. I do think the NBA has a scoring problem. I think that we've gone way too far in not letting defenses be able to play. I've talked to multiple coaches over the last several years, mm. and these are guys who are defensive type guys who have been deep in the playoffs and have won championships, and they've told me it is almost impossible to play defense in the NBA now because of the skill set of the players and of course the rule changes between the athleticism, the ability to shoot, and the way the rules are set up. It just is all out of whack right now. It feels like the sound effect. Uh, well, he's not wrong from from the idea that it's impossible to play defense, but I, I don't hate it. What I do hate is what we're seeing over the last week. Feels like Wilt's record's going to fall. Mm. Feels like somebody's going to blow past Kobe here on 81 because at first I thought last week when we were seeing Embiid go for 70 uh, and we saw Luca go for 73, I think Booker at 62, Carl Anthony Towns at 62, felt like, all right, is all of that just an homage to Kobe because it was an anniversary of his 81? Well, that's not really what was going on. I hate the idea of guys getting into this flow and I'm all right. Now this game has just become about me going out there and scoring 85, a hundred points and teams are going to let that happen. Like it feels like late in games. So I feel like there's a whole lot of doubling down on those guys. So that's the question. Yeah. That, that's what, what happens if someone threatens 81? I'm right? shutting them down. I don't want them anywhere near me doing that against me. So do no. you start doubling them or do you sit there and say, because we see this all the time, like if a dude's got a no-hitter going in baseball and it's 5 nothing, the other team will just a lot of times let him get it. Because it's like, well, he worked this hard. I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to be known in history for that. I don't want every highlight of that to be me. Like every time you see Barry Bonds hit the record home run, I can't remember who the pitcher is, so this kind of negates my point. But whoever threw that pitch doesn't want to be seen in history as the guy who gave up the meatball that set the record. And I wouldn't want to be the defender getting put on the poster for the guy that goes for 101 Right? I mean, the other night, here's a, here's a perfect encapsulation of where this is a problem. The Carl Anthony Towns 60-plus night. Because they lost the damn game to the Charlotte Hornets. The Timberwolves are the number one seed in the Western Conference. The, the Hornets are nothing. The Hornets are terrible. No surprise to anybody out there, I'm sure. And you'll lose the game to them because you're force-feeding Carl Anthony Towns the ball, which, by the way, in crunch time, he was nowhere to be found. Those were all glory numbers, 40-plus in the first half. And then when they needed him to score, when they actually needed the points, he couldn't come through for them. He had a huge turnover late in the game. So if you're going to have a guy chasing it, what's going to be the protocol here? Are we going to allow double teams, or is everyone going to get mad? I got a feeling everyone's going to get mad if they find out that Luka has 78 and then the opposing team starts throwing double teams at him to shut him down. I think everyone's going to complain about that. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I, I don't want to go just see the guy unchecked, like earn it. Then the points don't mean anything. I have to be honest. Well, I would be anyway, for the most part. If I were Michael Strahan, I would have been ticked off at Favre when he took a dive. Yeah, everyone remembers that. Yes. Everyone remembers that sack. And if I was Favre's offensive line, I would have been livid. <laughs> livid. Hey, Wait man. a second. I just protected you this entire game, and I'm trying to keep that guy from getting a record, and you hand it over to him? Yeah. I don't want my team handing that over. That would drive me insane, and I get it. There's a brotherhood among players and all that stuff. Go, then go play in the All-Star game. That's an All-Star game mentality.
That's stupid. How much is too much, I wonder? Because what you could do if a guy's chasing 100, you could theoretically throw three guys at him and make it impossible for him to get to the rim. But most of us would agree that's too much. You're not even playing basketball at that point. You're just focusing on stopping someone from getting a record. But that said, there's got to be a balance between not getting embarrassed for the record but also still maintaining the integrity of the defense while trying to win the game. I'd look at it this way, just that, right? A guy's hot on a particular night. Is he going to start to draw more attention defensively? Of course. Am I going to put five guys on him? No. What I'm going to do is do everything I can to try and win the game. I'm trying to win the game. And so that means I got to double him more to keep him from scoring. That's what I'm going to do. And I also, I don't want him to do it against me. At least if he does it against me, I want him to have earned it. One that one of these that stands out to me, I'm going to throw some positivity in here because I was covering the Warriors when this happened. 2015, it was right around this time because it happened in late January when Klay Thompson had 37 points in the third quarter against the Kings. He went 13 of 13. Like, he's a catch-and-shoot guy. It's not like he's driving to the rack and people are letting him get by. You can get a hand in his face. And the Kings hate the Warriors because they're always viewed as the little brother just across the state a little bit there, Right. 37 points in one quarter, 13 of 13 shooting. Now that's a performance I can get behind. (laughs) I just, I know we started this with the anti, like I don't necessarily want to see the record break if everyone's going to let it happen. Believe me, the Kings were not trying to allow that to happen. That is a guy who caught fire in NBA jam terms and could not be stopped. Uh, By the way, it was Chan Ho Park who gave up the 71st to Bonds. Oh. And then of course... Who gave up 756 to Bonds? The great Mike Bassick. <laughs> who actually now, believe it or not, is a talk show host. How about it? In Dallas. Just one of us. <laughs> He's just one of us, which is probably why he gave up number 756 Still to Bonds. I would rather be him. At least he has that moment. He can talk about it. You and exactly. I are just sitting here making our jokes. We we would have had no problem giving up that meatball either. No, probably not. At least I'm a footnote to history at that point. <laughs> yeah. Is there any way Jerry Jones can get leverage back from Dak? That's next. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.